Okay. Believe me when I tell you that I have saved the best for last out of the Telluride Blues and Brews series. This is volume three with Duran Blind Boy Paxton. This man has made a name for himself for many reasons. I would say the overarchingly reason being because he is the only music maker of his generation or one of a very small few that can play the guitar, the banjo, the piano, the violin, and he can really get down on the freaking fiddle. It's actually really what he was trained as. One of the first instruments he started playing when he was 12 years old. When he was 16 years old, he started to go a little blind, hence the blind boy. He also can play the ukulele, the Cajun accordion. He smacks the harmonica. He plays ragtime country blues. He plays Cajun music. He's Jewish. He was originally from Los Angeles. His family came there from Louisiana. He's got a whole bunch of Southern soul in his body, and he speaks the truth. I mean it when I say I've interviewed a lot of people And Jerron is someone that you want to listen to everything he says. He doesn't throw words out there just to answer questions. He thinks about everything. And this moment specifically interviewing him is really special to me in my mind forever. We met him, me and my friend Anna, who her, 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 her husband is a musician here in Cincinnati. He plays for the Tillers, Sean. And we started talking to Jerron. We were standing in the middle of the mountains We were standing next to a stream. There's a lot of chaos going on around us, but the three of us somehow formed our own little world and where we had this conversation. And as usual, I went all over the place and Jerron was right there with me the whole time. He has a beautiful smile that is so contagious. He makes, he has, there are no strangers to Jerron, as that saying goes. He makes friends everywhere he goes. We ended up seeing him throughout the entire weekend and became buddies. He's someone to follow and look up to. He's at a Queens now. Please enjoy our time with Jerron Blind Boy Paxton. Most of my family is in California. My family all came out west uh, at one time in the mid fifties. So my grandma's my grandma's the oldest, and her next younger sister's about to turn 90 on Wednesday. Really? Yeah, my auntie that's all into the blues and I uh, just, you know, every time I go over to her house it's a uh, it's so good. It's yeah. so good. So this is um and where where is she from again? Today? My family's all from Northwest Louisiana around Shreveport. Okay. And so what brought you to Queens? Oh, it's New York City. Yeah. New York City is a lovely place full of lovely people and endless activity. You know, how could you not like a place like that? Unless you're uh, unless you're completely opposed to endless activity. (laughs) Okay, so Anna, our good friend Anna knows you from, um, well, from back in the day at the uh, the Whispering Beard Festival, you know? You think that? You think so? It might have been, well, I didn't play with the Tillers or share the stage with the Tillers a few times up in Canada. And, but Whisper and Beard probably was the first one. I think they might have came to New York and like yeah. been to the Brooklyn Folk Festival mm-hmm. maybe a few times before yeah. that. Okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah, bring it. Bring it. Bring it. No, yeah, you do. This bring is what it is. It's just talking. Honestly, the mic picks up a whole lot. These are like, it's good. Um, uh, so I'll be real honest. I like uh, today's the first time I've heard you. Oh really? And you're, Anna just you're said, normal. Yeah, <laughs> Anna just said we got to go see this guy, and I'm so glad we did. And she also told me you carry bones in your pocket. How did you guess? Well, they're yeah, they're right there. Well, what's the story about the bones? 
It's the oldest instrument in the world. And that's a squirrel, not a steak. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. You know, I, I carry bones because I play bones. And, you know, I need them close. Yeah, I just stepped off the stage, so they remain in the pocket. So do you keep them in there all the time? Absolutely not. That, I'm, <laughs> my, my, my nerdiness only goes so far, my Red. lady. Well, speaking of nerdiness, what, how many instruments do you not, can't you play? A bunch. No, oh, how many can you play? I only play about four. Okay. Four well, four enough to put on the stage. And I couldn't noodle in some other things, Mm -hmm. but mostly banjo, guitar, piano, violin, a little harmonica here and there. Really? Did you bring your violin? Yeah. You You didn't hear it? Oh, we we came at the end. What were y'all doing? I know. We were doing media stuff for other stuff inside. Oh, that's noble. I know. But we're excited, though, because you're playing again tonight and then tomorrow. Mm -hmm. So we're going to, I'm like, now we totally get to. Blue stage tomorrow, no banyans tonight. Have you been into that blue stage yet? No. It's a cool little venue. It's a cool little spot. Really? Is it indoors? Yeah, it's indoors. Cool. They have a piano? I don't know. Probably have a keyboard. You play the piano, too? Yeah. This was a nice stage. I kind of like these nice, yeah. chill out in the woods stages. Mm-hmm. They they attracted different sort of you people. Had a good crowd. Right? Yeah. I loved it. I loved yeah. it. They was. I was like, all right, y'all the campground audience. Yeah, dude. All right, I could talk to y'all. How long have you been playing music? Professionally or ever? No, like in your life. I started when I was twelve. Who taught you? I had a few teachers. I uh, had Patrick Laverne teach me the basics of violin playing. Um, I had Mocha Washburn teach me some guitar, uh, or tried to teach me Mocha and my friend uh, uh, Mick Taurus. But you know, I had my own direction with guitar. John Schlocker taught me some bluegrass over at McCabe's Guitar Shop. Don't play that style no more, but that was my first lessons on the banjo, and it was lovely. Wait, so where was this? That was in Los Angeles. Ah, okay. Yeah. Hold on, I'm getting all this. I'm just finding out. So I am just finding everything else, everything out about you right uh-huh. now. So your family's from Louisiana. Right. You were born where? Los Angeles. In Los Angeles. Right. Okay, so that's where you're... Your... His family moved west. Gotcha. Yeah. Great yes. migration. Yes. 50s. Okay, cool. You're a storyteller. Did your family teach you how to tell stories? Is that something you guys do in your family? They they talk, taught me how to talk. Yes, they taught me how to tell stories. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good one. Yeah. <laughs> and then you figured out how to sing them. <laughs> That's right. That's right. I, I figured out how to kosher them up for a, a mixed company. So did you, did you, do you think you get this from um, your mom, your dad, your grandma? Oh, it's a little bit of everybody. You yeah. know, I, I tell different people's stories at different times. It depends what the audience is like and yeah. what they're into receiving. And, you know, there's always something that comes up. Yeah. Know. So when you were growing up, what were Sundays like in your house? What were Sundays like? I feel like you, you strike me as a family man. And you grew up with the family, everyone around each other. Was that how it was? I'm yeah. making this assumption. Yeah, that's, what I'm getting. That's, a, that's a powerful assumption. Yeah, well, let's see. Sundays was the days we cook again. Okay. My family had this big tradition of making a big meal on Friday, having a bunch of leftovers on Saturday, and Sunday we'd go to church and start cooking again, you know? Oh, yeah, right. So uh, Sunday was uh, usually the day after church and uh, was the day of church. Uh, 
which was a kind of amazing cultural experience. My grandmother was there. My great-grandmother was there. Uh And all the church mothers where my great-grandmother would sit were all from the same place. Wow. And, you know, not just the same parish, but, like, the same plantation. Wow. And, you know, so the same little small community in northwest Louisiana. So the music when those ladies would start singing was the same music that rocked my grandmother's sleep as a baby in the 20s. Wow. Which, you know, was the music that they got rocked to sleep with. You yeah. Know? So it's, it was a great experience being growing up in Los Angeles. That's in your roots. It's in your bones. Yeah. So when you're up on stage, what um, instrument do you enjoy playing the most? When do you feel the most alive? That makes two different questions. Stage is a funny time. And it, and it all depends because... When I'm at home, I could tell you easily. You know, I love playing the banjo the most, and I love digging into the piano and things like that. But then, you know, when I'm with family, they want to hear the guitar and the blues. And, mm-hmm. you know, and my family has a special connection to that music that my audience doesn't have a connection to. So when I'm playing for family, I play it for real, and, you know, ah. it's a different sort of vibe. And then you get on stage, and no telling what people want to hear. People want to hear the blues, so you give them that. People want to hear banjo music. You heard tonight, people went crazy for the fiddle. Yeah. I, I didn't expect that, you know. I, yeah. I said, y'all want, y'all sure y'all want the fiddle? I said, yeah. I was like, <laughs> really? I was like, all right, I guess I y'all are. a lot of blues the rest of the weekend. Right, yeah, right. So you can never tell what an audience wants to hear. Yeah. Depending what, and a lot of times at a festival, sometimes I feel that's my job is to be the alternative to what everybody is uh, being exposed to, I get invited to a lot of blues festivals. It's a lot of blues rock and yeah, um, a lot of stuff. You know, that's not quite my cup of tea. And then mm-hmm. folks come to see me, and I got a full house of people who say it's the only thing here that's different. It's the only thing here that doesn't sound like every other thing. Here. Yeah, yeah. You know, and, <laughs> and folks love it. Yeah, yeah, it does. I'm surprised how many country festivals and bluegrass festivals are really just kind of indie singer-songwriter festivals. And it's not that I mind that music, but, you know, when I hear folk music, my mind goes to a different place. Yeah. You know, but I guess folk music is still still means a lot of things to a lot of different kind of folks, you know. Yeah. It's hard for me to think of Mississippi John Hurt and Bob Dylan on the same stage, but that's been happening for six or seven decades already. So yeah. it's like, it means a lot of different things to a lot of different people, you know. Well, what kind of uh, what musicians were really inspirational to you when you were growing up or getting going in your music? Oh, I suppose the biggest career. ones was probably Bucka White and Scott Dunbar and Uncle Dave Macon and. And oh. so I don't know. I don't know who any of those people are. What really? Kind of music is it? Yeah. Lightning Hopkins and. Uh, <laughs> Muddy Waters and all well, Muddy Waters, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. There, there's one. <laughs> well, you know, that's... It's, it's the most popular one, you know. Yeah. But the- my, my family is all black folk from the South. Yeah. So they... That's the culture of music they have. Yeah. And yeah, that's the music that got to me, you mm-hmm. know. So when... So right now, what, what are you listening to right now in your life? Right now, I'm actually listening to a lot of music from where I live currently up in New York. So mm-hmm. I'm listening to a lot of Fred Van Epps mm-hmm. and Vess Osmond, a lot of banjoists who recorded and lived in New York City and nice. around New Jersey and around there. It's a very unique type of music yeah. that nobody talks about, nobody plays. Yeah. I wish I had a teacher to teach me, but it's like, nope. <laughs> no, all the best dudes that do this are dead, and you're on your own. Well, maybe that's a good so thing, though. Not, you can you can create your own new style. Right. So it's not not a lot of people are playing like old timey banjo up 
New York right now? Well, it's not quite old-timey banjo, okay. you, although it is old-timey yeah. banjo, but, you know, I'm sure you've heard a million times. You know yeah. how people say, when you say you play a banjo, you say, oh, you play bluegrass or old-time? Yeah. And I was like, actually, I don't play uh, either. Well, you say, Natalie, speaking of genres, Natalie always tries to, like, she'll describe people like, oh, Anna's husband plays in a bluegrass band, and I was like, they're not... Bluegrass. Right, 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 yeah, right, 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 right. I was like, they play bluegrass instruments, but well, when you I'll go, stop saying that. No, you're not. When, when, you, when you go to England, it's kind of like like yeah. anything that has an acoustic guitar is called bluegrass. Really? Anything like that really? has an acoustic guitar. I've been up in the UK and Ireland. I like that a lot of the bars will say they're just playing trad music, and it's like traditional traditional music is like what's playing. Like well, it's I, hard to choose a genre. I say the same thing about here. I say I play traditional music. I play lots of black folk music. It's yeah. like, what is black folk yeah. music? I was like, well... Depends you, on the area. Yeah, it, it <laughs> depends on the area, but do you know what Irish traditional music sounds like? Yeah. It's like, all right, you know what Scottish traditional music? All right. It's like, I'm, I'm imagining the same thing in America. Yeah. Uh, you know all the American tunes that ain't from Scotland or Ireland? Mm-hmm. Guess where they're from? Yeah. Like, you know, academics will tell you they're traditional. They're from our fucking tradition yeah. it's like jenny run away in the mud in the night is not from your fucking tradition <laughs> like y'all didn't sing the songs about jenny running away well, and, <laughs> and black people from the south uh traditional music it's much different from white people in the north I yes. traditional music so they sing different songs exactly there was a, there was a very divided well, and, and it, it was that and also I've, i'm just starting to get into this connection that black people and white people's traditions from the South were only really separated by segregation. Yeah. Other than that, there are a lot of the same culture yeah. and the powers that be did their best to keep those cultures separate yeah. and at yeah, odds yeah. with each other. You know, I've heard records from the 1890s, mm-hmm. you know, where they're, you know, and they're talking about keeping the darkies yeah. away from the white trash. Yeah. You know, it's like, oh, y'all keeping the two poor people away from each other <laughs> right. so they don't start well, being yeah. free. <laughs> <laughs> just trying to grow food and feed their family and yeah you know, and get along and get be along, neighbors yeah. mm-hmm. you know or there's a lot of that yeah was that uh was it virginia versus the love or love versus the yeah. state of virginia uh, i heard that was a big part of that there was all these integrated communities that as long as you didn't marry legally and get the law involved local folk turned a blind eye but when they got the law involved that's when it got to be a big thing you know it works every time everything exactly a lot of everything as much as possible (laughs) that's why i like telluride so much because there ain't much of that here there doesn't need many laws in telluride no and the no the the one um, police officer doesn't do it he only looks out for tourists (laughs) Oh, that's like great. Yeah. Well, you got to look out for the tourists because you don't know who they are. Exactly. <laughs> he only tried, like, you only get, like, speeding tickets from the tourists, right? And he like, doesn't do, like, tourists or whatnot, you know? <laughs> so, Gerard, this is amazing. I feel like we could talk forever. Cheers. Do you want to, um, should we go check out Jeremy? He's playing now. He said he wanted to. I can hear him. All right, we're we're gonna try to, I want to try to go to your show tonight. We'll try to get tickets to the for late sure. night. Hopefully we can just get. It's not too late night, just is get past it? It. Well, you have to get separate pa- separate it's tickets separate to ticket. it. And we don't have the really? separate tickets, but we do at have. The like, so your your blue stage stuff will be at that show, but the. Mm-hmm. Hey. Hey. What's uh-huh. in that case there? What kind? Uh-huh. All right, we'll put it in somebody's tent. Not mine. Well, <laughs> it depends what it is. <laughs> put the drum set in here? Absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck the drum set. 
The drum set. I'm a bones player. Want some drums? <laughs> so you play a lot of festivals, I'm sure. I've never been to a festival where they do these private stages just for the campers. I think it's kind of cool that they don't. That's pretty let the, nice. You know, like the, like general admission couldn't come in. It was only if you had a camping. That's pretty yeah. nice. I didn't realize that. Mm -hmm. Wow. I guess I've just always snuck back here. Like, I like anything that helps out folks like that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But I feel a little bit weird about exclusivity sometimes, you know what I mean? Hey. Yeah. Hey, hey, buddy. You You're popular around here. I don't... I'm to figure out where we can walk our inebriated friend out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't... There's... Yeah, you're going to walk this guy through. All right. Oh, they're going to all black, probably, yeah. Sounds good. Sounds good. Let's go over here. All right. But, yeah, I I don't know how I feel about yeah, limiting access to make things special. Yeah. That's it, As much as I appreciate that, I worry. And yeah. not too hard. It's not nothing to get gray hair over. But uh, that's one of the things I always felt weird about. And, you know limitations i like sharing my music with everybody but i also do like doing something special for the people that support this place in a different sort of way yeah so well i think there's balance in this Ah, uh, yeah i I, so. I ain't gonna get my sphincter turned too far to the right <laughs> yeah no i think some Don't people think about it too much yeah people <laughs> it's easy to let your rectal sphincter get turned a quarter turn to the right too far yeah. And I have been sent here to help you unwind. <laughs> That's Reset. amazing. I know what you think your purpose in life is. I might steal that. That's great. <laughs> you got to unwind. It's necessary. Oh, my goodness. Oh, good, good, good. I hope he's getting some help. Oh, good, good. Oh, Hang in there, buddy. You can do it. I don't know. He looks like he's been in the woods for a while. Oh, yeah. He's been in the woods for a while. Mm. Yeah. I'm glad he's getting what he needs. Yeah. Have you ever played? Um... It's better to get what you need rather than what you deserve. Oh, <laughs> I think he's getting what he needs. <laughs> Poor guy. Oh, hey, he's pretty lucky. He's not getting what he deserves. <laughs> It's true. People it's like always a royal escort. Mm. Yeah, yes. People always say in Telluride, um, like we're all so lucky to be here every day because it's just the most beautiful place on earth. Do you think is this one of uh, the prettier places you've played? One of my biggest regrets is that I was so tired from getting here mm -hmm. that on the two and a half hour ride from the airport, I could not stay awake, uh, and I tried. Yeah. I literally tried. I'd wake up and was like, oh, my God, look at that brook. Oh, please, just let me say Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> and like, that happened like five or six times. Yeah. And I was just like, look at that. Oh, oh God. <laughs> I want to watch you. It happened. It's so beautiful. Yeah, on the yeah. way home. On the way back, it's in the afternoon. I'm, mm -hmm. I'm set up great. Nice. Did you fly into Durango or uh, Grand Junction? Grand Junction. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's a drive. Yeah, well, I think they're all drives. Yeah, the one Montrose is like an hour and a half away. Really? Yeah, there's the... Uh, mm -hmm. I was really... Um, whatever, just somehow we got on a flight. 
to get there, which I was really surprised about. But really? It was sold out for sure, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I couldn't find no flights coming over here. So it's a to... tough little place to get to. Right! It's and y'all don't have a traveled... train or nothing? No, you traveled all that way to come here and play in this little spot here. We're very grateful. It's kind of crazy. Yeah. Talk about it exclusivity. Is. Yeah, right. <laughs> that, honestly, that's what Tyler's all about. Like, yeah, people, you need the need them. Yeah, right. It's like it really mm. sucks that way. It, it wasn't always that way at all. Really, but now it, it's like so hard to get here, and well, and I, it's just, I don't know. I think it might have been always hard to get here. Oh well, yeah, 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 yeah. But yeah, I mean, from like the beginning. <laughs> yeah, but it's but it's always traditionally it's been like to stay once you yes, get here. It's traditionally has been like a really poor town. Four mountain hippies and outdoorsy people and like one huge community no one locks their doors it's still like that but now so much money is taken over that's i think it's like kind of robbed the culture a lot really? a lot a lot a lot yeah so like it's it used to it. You just have to dig a little deeper yeah so it's like imagine like this i don't know people just are rugged music, yeah that's for sure I, I found a few places like that on my travels yeah. that i that i scarce not mention for the exact fear you name yeah. you know for having them getting taken over but there are some great places that have an amazing amount of cool people per capita yeah and i was just like this is just tucked away here yeah. like, you gotta keep that stuff private yeah don't like tell anybody this one's it. only like 20 <laughs> minutes away from the airport this one's yeah this, this is, is the, the dump, yeah. I'm not talking about you, but I know where you maniacs live. <laughs> you used to, um, when I, I remember when I first went to Ocracoke, I used to live on this little island. Where's that? See? In the Outer Banks. In the Outer Banks. And when I first the went Outer there. Outer Banks of what? North Carolina. Okay. The most eastern, <laughs> I lived on the, the most eastern, um, American land like in america whatever so on this island 35 miles off the coast of north carolina and when i landed there which was like almost 20 years ago everyone was like don't tell anybody you were here this never happened don't talk about ochre coke don't post it on your i don't think posting was even a thing then but everyone was like keep this a secret we don't want anybody to know right and we did oh, and like for a while i mean yeah but it was one of those like shh uh-uh we don't want anybody to know now like 800 people live there year round not many and, people want to go out in the middle of the ocean it's, true. it's real. It's harder to get there than it is to get here. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah, I can oh, imagine. Yeah. yeah, yeah. There's a road here. Yeah. So what's life like in Queens for you? Oh, it's lovely. Yeah. yeah it's the most ethnic place on the planet. Oh, yeah. It's, it's so good. I got all kinds of neighbors and all kinds of cultures around me. Good music. Great musicians to yeah. hang out with. And that's one of the things. This pandemic and this 18 months off. It showed me it's like, oh, I got a bunch of cool people around. I don't yeah. I don't know where I can have this many cool people per capita. Yeah. You know, except New York City. And it's accessible to everyone. Yeah. The flights there are always cheap. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's it's already crowded. Mm -hmm. You know, you're not gonna make it True. any worse, you're yeah. not gonna make it any more expensive. <laughs> you know, it's like it's kind of set. It's like, come on, what yeah. you got? You know, but it's the same. You got to dig for the cool stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's something for everybody. And that's what I love. There's. You can find good people most. I get to, yeah. I get to play some private people. parties with some friends of mine. And it's the stuff I read about. Like you read about Fats Waller getting invited to these swell parties where he's well paid and where it's taken care of. And all his friends are there. And you go to seven o'clock in the morning and you just have to be poured out of the place into a taxi cab, yeah. you know. And that stuff's still there. Yeah, that's People good. love that kind of music. People yeah. love that New York jazz and some of the best pianists in the world are there. And 
uh, the banjo style I'm playing goes well with piano because lots of ragtime and stuff like mm-hmm. that. So I've got some of the best musicians to play that style of music with. It's, it's a perfect place for me. What? I love it. Do you think it's changed you as a musician? Oh, definitely. Yeah. It's done, it's done a bunch mm-hmm. of improvement, and it still has more to go. You know, uh, now that uh, now that uh, we've stopped getting that federal help and. Mm-hmm. The gigs are at an end because it's the fall and just usually the hungry time for musicians. Mm-hmm. I'm still not dreading it as much because that means instead of having to focus on work, I could focus on what I love to and focus on my friends and music and yeah. improving my art and doing it. And, you know, yeah, you know, like I said, my folks are black people from the south. I know how to deal with poverty without whining too much. <laughs> Same. I always tell people, like, there was one time in my life where I had $5 left to my name in change, and I used it to buy a pack of cigarettes. And I don't think all my bank accounts were, like, in negative, and I had nothing. And then, uh, I don't know, turned out okay. I think I had maybe a half a tank of gas, and then life goes on. I think I had zero money for the first 20 years of my life. Yeah. That was, like, these spurts where... I remember the first time I got a $100 bill from playing a bluegrass banjo gig when yeah. I was 15. I was like, oh, my God. Yes. Like endless Pokemon cards, <laughs> just banana splits at the ice cream truck, huge bags of chili cheese Fritos. It's just like, it's all a kid can want. I felt, uh, yeah, I felt like LA. Bill Gates. You yeah. know, I was, I was good. And, you know, it doesn't take very much to make me feel wealthy, mm-hmm. you know. Especially because I'm wealthy in friends and music and art, That's all about. and you know a certain a certain type of knowledge that doesn't depend on material things mm-hmm. to be happy or feel secure. You know, oh, yeah, my folks, uh, my folks, uh, my folks always taught me that being poor don't mean nothing but red beans and rice. Yeah. and I eat red beans and rice <laughs> anyway. You know. <laughs> So anything you get beyond that is good, you know. You know, the old folks would say, well, all we deserve in this world is death in the grave. So anything above that is lanyap, you know. Wow. And so yeah. that's, a, that's an interesting perspective. <laughs> Not only do I have more than that, I have a surplus of friends and love and wealth and uh, that 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 kind of wealth that just makes life worth living, yeah. you know. This last year probably not playing music too made you appreciate having that support though as well. Yeah. I know I've been around a lot of musicians this last year that struggled, you know, like right. that's what they do is play and make their art and yeah. not being able to perform like that. Well, that's, that's what I do too, but I don't, I feel very strange about people yeah. who are dedicated to a performance. Yeah. No, sir. I don't know. I wonder. I wonder if I feel. I don't quite feel that being dedicated to art and being dedicated to performance are the same thing. Hmm. Okay. Right. Like you don't have to be perform. You don't have to perform to be dedicated to your oh, art. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Glenn Glenn Gould wanted to stop performing as soon as he was financially yeah. set enough to do so. Mm-hmm. So he just he was. I'm done. This is not what I enjoy. I enjoy the studying yeah. of my art. And I can present it to people in a myriad of ways, but performing is not my favorite one. And I love study. I love figuring out how it works and perform and doing it with other people. Mm -hmm. Once I've got enough. Was that hard then when you were in lockdown to 
No. Not be playing with other people? or No, because one of my edicts is to look mm-hmm. what the world has set before you and go that way. Mm-hmm. You know, it's been my habit, you know, because I'm a, you know, my... My countenance, my personality is very liberal and creative and wants to make, you know, wants to find a new way of doing things. Not so much sticking to the old thing as as much, but which is kind of funny because what I do is traditional. And the thing I find most refreshing and most creative and the newest thing to do is to do something traditional in the 21st century. You know, the newest thing to do is to master your culture because for the past 40 years, We've got people saying, nah, to hell with your culture. And I was like, well, maybe your culture ain't shit, but listen, you know, I could put some peach cobbler on a fucking flag and represent the fucking <laughs> South right here, but hey, <laughs> you know, this is my America right here, you know. It's like, like give me a banjo, some peach cobbler, some blues, you know, we're, we're, that's my flag, you know. Yeah. And, and, you know, so I, I think... When I study the path before me, it does not have performing in it. Mm-hmm. So what am I going to do with my time? Am I going to wallow because I can't do my... Fo- no. What yeah. do you do when you can't perform? You study. Yeah. And another year you or two... Of stu- lot, practice a lot. Yeah. I learned some of the hardest music mm-hmm. of my life. That's cool. been just invigorating to learn and expanding my head and just uh, giving me that same love of music I had when I first got into it. Because now yeah. I can dig... Mm. Now it's not bleak and just like, no, there's two ways to play this instrument and you kind of know how both of them go and you can, it's like, no, no, there's more than this. It's deep. We can go as far as we need to. And it's great to have this direction that I can go in and watch it spread to other instruments and other art forms. It's it's fantastic to see those things grow. Beautiful. Mm. Beautiful, beautiful. Well, looking forward to... um, this is a fucking NPR interview. Damn. I know. I'm getting so. <laughs> I know. I'm getting so. I'm getting like so into it, but I'm like, I'm trying to be so like, let's just be casual because we're friends. But I'm like, no. I have these exact questions. No, like, no, no, no. Uh, no, this is. Uh, but, yeah, but I think what's so beautiful about like like you you you're bringing. I know. <laughs> You like it or not, all day. Make sure you're good because I hate for this. Oh my god, don't worry. I've already checked. All right, don't worry. Because I was really worried about that too. I was like, oh my god, talking shit for thirty minutes and none of this recording. Oh my god, I've done that before too. Sitting in the woods, in and out, saying, "You'll never believe." Learned all this stuff from this weird black man in the woods, and there's no proof. What a change in my life. Well, it just seems. It just seems like. What I love about, I love when you made the distinction between perform, like I feel like I'm a performer as mm-hmm. I do radio and comedy and stuff, but like my art is performing. Mm. And so that's, it was been hard. I mean, I, I get to perform every day. So whatever, but when you were saying, but I think your dedication to it, I'm, what, hold on, what am I trying to say here? Now the way that you're, the way that your brain works is also how you play music. Mm-hmm. And you're saying all these things is like, oh, I think that you, um, transfer that thank y'all cheers and give that out to the world with everything you do so I think I know the performing isn't your thing like you do that so well as well like that's a part of it I just confused myself on well, Did that make any sense? You well, have a lot of fans that would like to keep seeing you. Well, yeah. yeah well, I, I'm, I don't think I'm gonna. I don't think I'm gonna stop performing anytime soon. But there's more to it. And there's, yeah, there's definitely more to it. And there's certain things 
like this one we just did that's just like all right nah this is this is what i perform this is finding i don't i mean this is back to like sean and his band specifically they have been playing a lot more house shows and kind of more private uh things like this as opposed to bigger venues uh because it's becoming more available and like we've hosted at our house concerts for people and it's just kind of nice to get you in front of an intimate crowd and um you know give you all the money as opposed to giving money to a venue and then you a little yeah. bit well, i don't know mm-hmm. i can i can tell you from experience i've had honestly like you say mm-hmm. the smaller more intimate things are just that they're smaller and more intimate you feel closer to everybody in the mm-hmm. audience but you know there's times I played huge places and had the exact same feeling. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I did this thing f- for a little Lead Belly concert. Yeah. It was at Carnegie Hall, and it was yeah. 1,500 people. Yeah. Sold out yeah. 1,500 people. And I felt the exact same as yeah. when I'm playing for, like, 15 people that are really rooting for okay. me. Because all 1,500 people were yeah, really rooting, rooting for, for me. Yeah, but do you think that but that's created within you and you're giving it to the people and then... I think it's back. reciprocal. Yeah, but, but I, know, I think it's like it's a chicken and the egg. Yeah, know, yeah, yeah, maybe. I'm like, yeah, but if they were all supporting you for a different reason because of the magic that you're putting out there and then... You know, give and they're Lead Belly fans, so true, true, true. <laughs> they're gonna be good people. <laughs> like, and this was this was a New York audience full of Lead Belly fans <laughs> with a huge picture of Lead Belly in the background. Yeah. And I think like my first couple sentences of when I got on stage was, "Me and Lead Belly are mishpacha." They freaked out. What so that mean? that means kinfolk in Yiddish. Ah. <laughs> so it's like a new, you know, that's you a word. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's like they they freaked out, and all I had to do was play music for them. Yeah. You know, and yeah. that was it. And and that's another thing. My that's where my dedication to the art comes in. Mm-hmm. It's so I think the word the thing I most had to work on in my career is figuring out how to communicate with people. Mm. It's like, cause this is what I want to do. This is what I'm dedicated to do. You to do, and how can I present it to you? And there's, you know, not everything goes that way. The blues, the folk music, that stuff goes that way. Some more art music might not fit in. Some jazz might not fit in. Sometimes it's the absolute perfect thing to do. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's so, just like I said. Sometimes it's the absolute perfect thing to do. Other times it's not. You know, so it's been. Part of my endeavor as a performer has been to find these things that communicates to people the most easily. Mm-hmm. And like I said, you can never tell what it is. Today it was the fiddle. I yeah. didn't expect that. Some places it's the piano. Yeah. Some places it's the guitar. Some places it's the harmonica. You can never so tell. Make a set list. That's what I, was I can't. Ask. I was just gonna <laughs> I ask. Can't. I was like, okay. Because if because if I make a set list and like they're mm-hmm. they're they're kind of like giving me mild applause until I get to a certain instrument, I was like, oh. That's what y'all like. Like, is it this instrument or is it this type of show? Okay. Is it this instrument or is it this style? Is it this groove? Telling jokes. Yeah. (laughs) You know. Well, part of that is me. Part of that is me, like probing what they're about. And you know, I don't know. uh, I got a real big respect for comedians, Mm. and uh, the thing I respect most about comedians is most of them are just. Talking to you. They don't have a guitar to hide behind. <laughs> well, not even that, but they're just they're communicating with you, yeah. 
and they kind of explain reality to you in this way that just tickles you to death. Yeah. And I've kind of got to navigate that road and figure out what they want to hear. Mm -hmm. But and you know you can never tell what it is, so you've got to probe you each time. Well, yeah. thank you, thank you. You can feel as like I've done stand up before and done like hour long sets and stuff, and I feel as you know for sure as a performer, like there's like a slight, like a fraction of a second that like you make decisions in while you're talking about something, knowing what you're going to do next. All at the same time. Yeah. Why performing? Definitely, the definitely, so absolutely. It's like the same way. So, like, as you're going through the show, you're like creating it as you go. Right, yeah, right. that's so dumb. Right, right, right. Ain't it the craziest shit? Yeah. yeah it's like so cool. I know I gotta play this song next because I'm picking up this instrument now, yeah, yeah, yeah. and sometimes that's involuntary. Mm -hmm. And I think it might have happened once a day. Once I go to pick up an instrument. And then the audience gives me this vibe they want something else. Or mm -hmm. like I say, well, I didn't play like three or four banjo songs in a row. Maybe I should play something else. Yeah. Sometimes I have to put it down. But it's just that. You you think you know what you want to do next sometimes. Mm -hmm. And then you'll say this right thing when you're getting ready to do this segue. Say, oh, shit, no, y'all want this. Yeah. All right, let me go over here. And see yeah. what I'm going to keep my eye on you. I don't know what you got over here. Do you have any um, like methodologies to get into your flow? Because I feel like... You go, you can like go in and out of it, but you got to create it first on the show. Is it, is it like prep that you do as an no. artist to get to get it going? The, the biggest prep I do is to make sure I can play all my instruments pretty easily. What? Well, I mean, yeah. But, but because, you know, like I say, you've got to be flexible yeah. and go where the audience wants you to go. So, you know, like I said, during this pandemic, I played a lot of five-string banjo, you know, fretted five-string banjo. So that means I have to practice everything else, mm -hmm. you know, because if the, if the folks won't, you know, sometimes you go places and they want stuff as specific as a chicken song. It's yeah. like, we want a chicken song. And I was like, all right, I got to get all my chicken songs in order. Or at least something close where I could render these things a little bit easy. Yeah. So you, it's like being athletes, you got to be in shape to yeah, do these things. Yeah, for sure. There's, there's definitely muscles you gotta... Oh, my, my dude playing right now asked me for a Reverend Gary Davis song I couldn't play. And oh, it's, man. And it's, I haven't played in six years. And it's hard. Yeah. It's fucking hard. <laughs> You're gonna go home and practice it right Exactly. Now. <laughs> it's, oh. And this is one thing I've been getting about and falling in love with with art music is like people like Vladimir Horowitz and Yasha Heifetz, they have this material that was just arduous. You know, some of the hardest music yeah. in the world. So some of it, they accept it to, at a certain point. It's like, you can't keep all this stuff in your head. And sometimes people will request something that you just can't do. Yeah. And you got to give them something close that you can do. So yeah. I do that all the time. You do you know? feel like it's rewarding now um, when you learn um, a new instrument or new like part of a song when you master a song? Do you get more gratification out of it now than you did before? Just out of curiosity. No, it, it all feels the same. Yeah. Like, I felt the same learning Twinkle Twinkle as I did learning Persiflage. Yeah. You know, I felt the same learning the Maple Leaf Rag oh, as, as I did learning Hot Cross Buns and yeah. all that stuff, you know. That's it's so beautiful. It's a, it's a level of accomplishment. Yeah. And it's a level of connection um, between you and the instrument. And that's what you're after. Mm -hmm. You're after to make this thing not feel like a foreign object to you. Yeah. You, you, you've got to say, I want this sound to come out and make it happen. You know, I want it to match my voice in this certain way. And it takes it takes some doing. You know, you got to yeah. be in shape and be in touch with it. Yeah. It's a it's a little foreign thing. It's made of wood and metal and strings and springs. and uh, uh, But I got to treat it like it's my right arm. 
Yeah, amen to that. Yeah. I hate to cut you off, but it's like we got to go listen to this guy playing now. Let's do it. You know? Let's do you it. promising you would. You're a man of your word. Cheers. This was so great. You were phenomenal. I'm so glad I got to meet you. I could nerd out all day. Wait, so you do comedy?